today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Revelation. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com, and if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now, picking it up in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12, and we hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. the 16th chapter of the book of Revelation tonight, if you like to turn with us there. Uh, the 16th chapter is known as the great chapter of the Bible because the word great is used 11 times uh, throughout the chapter, and that word is used simply to express the magnitude of the uh, seven vile judgments, which are the last judgments that will be poured out during the great tribulation period. Now, the first vial is found there in verse 2. There fell a noisome and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. And as we said, this is very similar to the sixth plague of bulls that God poured out upon the Egyptians during the time of Moses. And we don't know how long these sores are going to last uh, but the people will still have them by the time of the fifth vile judgment of verses 10 and 11. Now, these sores are going to be so painful. Uh, the Bible says that they gnawed their tongues for pain. So medical science is not going to have a cure for this. And uh, pain medicine is not going to do them much good either. Uh, the second vial is found there in verse 3. The sea became as the blood of a dead man, and every living soul died in the sea. Uh, this will probably be the Mediterranean Sea, because this is the area that the Antichrist will rule. And whatever this is that happens to the sea is going to have a poisonous effect, killing everything in the sea. And, uh, of course, this is going to cause all the travel by sea uh, to come to a stop. And when you take into consideration that much of the world's oil supply comes from this part of the, the world, you can imagine how that's going to affect the whole world. At any rate, uh, the third vial is found there in verse 4. The rivers and fountains of water became blood. And this is probably the same thing that happened to the salt water will now happen to the fresh water. And if that's the case, then every living thing in the fresh water is going to die as well. And uh, this is similar to the plague in Egypt under Moses after uh, the water that was turned to blood there. It even affected all the water that were saved up into vessels of wood and stone. All that water was turned to blood. So if it's following that particular thing that happened in Egypt, 
then that means all the bottled water in that part of the world is going to be turned to blood as well. So a lot of people are going to be dying of dehydration when you get right down to it. Uh, the fourth vial is in verses 8 and 9. It affects the sun, and the men were scorched with great heat, meaning that whoever is exposed to the sun will instantly be severely burned. Now, I've had some sunburn before. Uh, this is bound to be worse than what I experienced. We went down to the beach one time, and it was overcast. And I just had on some shorts and didn't even have a shirt on. And we just played out there on the beach all all day long, and it put no sunscreen on. Didn't think about it. Uh, the sun wasn't out. And we got burnt up. Dana, I'll tell you, I was... <laughs> I was in bad shape for about a week or so there. I couldn't stand for nothing to touch me. And this is going to be worse than any sunburn that you or I have ever experienced before. It's going to be something major that takes place here at this time. It ain't going to be fun, I can tell you that. Verse 9 says that they blasphemed the name of God, which had power over these plagues, and they repented not to give him glory. And these people know exactly who it is that's doing these things, and they will not repent. Man has a hard heart. The fifth vial, verse 10, is poured out upon the seed of the beast, and his kingdom was full of darkness. And this plague is similar to the ninth plague in Egypt under Moses, and that was a darkness that could be felt. Also, when that particular plague took place, uh, during the time of Moses, the land of Egypt was full of darkness, and yet Israel still had light. So God can do anything, and it's very possible that this condition of darkness will last right on up to the second coming of Christ. The sixth vial is where we're going to pick up tonight, verse 12, Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates, and the water thereof was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. The great river Euphrates forms the eastern boundary of the land which the Lord swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, he told them that he would give it to them for heritage and for their seed after them. Uh, it includes Syria, Iraq, the Arabian Peninsula, Saudi Arabia, the Persian Gulf, and some other areas in that particular part of the world. Now, Israel never did occupy all of that land, but during the kingdom age, uh, they will occupy all of that territory during that time. The great river Euphrates is first mentioned in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 14. Uh, it's one of four rivers which flowed through the Garden of Eden. And as you know, the Garden of Eden is the place where man rebelled against God. It all started in that part of the world, and it's all going to end right there in that part of the world. And this river drying up 
is a sign of the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His coming is near at hand. And all of this is being done in preparation for the battle of Armageddon. Now, the river is dried up to make the way for the kings of the east. Now, in the Greek, it actually says this, the kings of the sunrising. And most Bible students and commentators agree that this is referring to China and Japan. But if you'll look in verses 13 and 14, John said, And I saw three unclean spirits like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon and out of the mouth of the beast and out of the mouth of the false prophet. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them together to the battle of the great day of God Almighty. From this, we learn that the kings of the whole world are going to be invited uh, to this battle. Now, how many is going to side up with the Antichrist? We don't know. But this also shows us that the Antichrist is not going to rule the whole world. If he did, why would he need to send out or need the help of these demon spirits? to persuade the leaders of the rest of the world to come. If he ruled the whole world, he would just give a command, y'all come on over here and help us fight. So the Antichrist is not going to rule the whole world as some um, believe and teach. So he's going to have to send out emissaries around the world. And these emissaries are going to be Demon-possessed, and these demons are coming out of the mouth of the dragon, coming out of the mouth of the beast, coming out of the mouth of the false prophet. You see the word mouth there being used three times. It implies to us that there will be a lot of talking going on at this time, and most of it's going to be lies and words of deception in order to persuade the leaders of the world to come and join in with the Antichrist. And if that's not enough, like I said, these demon-possessed emissaries, whomever they may be, uh, they're going to have the power to work miracles. If you'll look there in verse 14, um, the working of miracles. And they're going to be able to do these things in order to convince and persuade the leaders of the world to come and cooperate with the Antichrist and to side with the Antichrist to destroy Israel and to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The Antichrist is going to think that these plans are all his, but they're not all his. This is God's plan. God is allowing these things to take place, and he's going to allow these demon spirits, these unclean spirits, to persuade men, leaders of the world, to come to this battle. And it's, it's a gathering together, if you will, of all of those that are opposed to Israel. And at this particular time, in verse 15, the Lord himself 
is speaking. If you've got a King James Bible, red letter edition, you see the Lord is speaking there. And he said, Behold, I come as a thief, Revelation 16 and verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Many use this verse in reference to the rapture. But when you take this verse in the context of which it is written, it's actually referring to the second coming of Christ. As we've stated time and time again, the rapture of the church and the second coming are two different events altogether. The rapture could take place at any moment. The Second coming is going to be at least seven years later after the rapture. When the rapture takes place, uh, the Lord will not set his feet upon the earth at that time. He's going to come in the air, and we're going to meet him in the air. Amen? All of us that are saved. But at the second coming, the Lord will actually set his feet upon the Mount of Olivet at the Battle of Armageddon. And that's the difference between the rapture and the second coming. And as we look here, uh, this is referring to the second coming because the rapture will have already taken place at this time. Now, the Bible says that he's coming as a thief. Now, that's certainly not implying that the Lord is going to do something immoral. It's just uh, a metaphor letting us know that as a thief would break into someone's house and they're not expecting it, and that's going to be the attitude of the world at that time. They are not expecting the Lord to return at this particular time. And like I said, it's just used as a metaphor. Now, like I said, no one will be expecting the Lord to come at this time except for a few. They will be watching. Jesus said, Blessed is he that watcheth. I remember back in 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell. Remember that? It was a very exciting time. I was young at the time. I was in high school. And several of the members of the church that I was in at that time were very excited. And I didn't exactly understand all of it at that time, but I did come to understand it later on. What, they, what the excitement was all about was Russia controlled several countries that will come together and form the ten nations or the ten kingdoms under the Antichrist. And with Russia having control of these particular countries, there was no way that that could happen. Several Bible commentators had said that there was going to be a war with Russia, and Russia would lose that war, and those nations or kingdoms would be free then to join with the Antichrist. But in 1989, that all just collapsed. No war, no anything. 
it just happened. And now these countries are free, and these countries, two or three of them now, are free to come together and form the last kingdom which will persecute Israel. Ten nations will form under the Antichrist. And it, it was very exciting during that time when these things was going on, as would be obvious, any time we see the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, um, you know, like I said, we've heard about the temple in Israel being rebuilt. The plans have been drawn up. The people from the tribe of Levi being taught in temple worship, the priest and whatever the case. Also, uh, the city of Babylon being rebuilt. Uh, these things are already taking place and going on in the world. It is a fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But blessed is he that watcheth, Jesus said. During the tribulation period, it's going to be a terrible time, the worst that mankind has ever known. But there are going to be those that are saved at that time. Those who are studying the book of Daniel, and especially the book of Revelation, and they're going to be able to look at their television sets and see news reporters reporting that the water has turned to blood. Now the fresh water's turned to blood. The sun's been affected and people are getting sunburnt. People are breaking out with boils, and they're going to be able to look in the book of Revelation, look at their news at night, and go right through the book of Revelation and see each one of these prophecies being fulfilled, boom, 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 one after the other. And that's going to be a blessed time, but that's about the only <laughs> blessing it's going to be. Jesus said, blessed is he that watcheth. And the word watches also means to be prepared. The Lord is coming back. That's definitely for sure. But some of us will probably meet the Lord before he meets us. You understand what I'm saying? We believe the Lord's coming back. We may meet him before he meets us. We're not promised tomorrow. Behold, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to have your heart right with the Lord and to walk according to his word. Now, the Lord also says along with this, talks about keeping your garments. Notice that there in verse 15. That has nothing to do with the type of clothes that you wear. Understand that. It has nothing to do with the physical. It's a spiritual thing. When you get saved, the Lord forgives you of all of your sins. What we think to be right, the Bible says, is as filthy rags. The Lord washes and cleanses from all unrighteousness. And our sins are gone. He washes us. He cleanses us. And at the same time that he does that washing, that cleansing, he gives us his righteousness. 
Paul said to put on Christ. He also said we're baptized into Jesus Christ. So we have this righteousness. That is the garment that the Lord is speaking of here. This garment of of righteousness. Keep your garments. Now the only way that you can keep those garments is to keep your faith in the finished work of Christ. Because that's how you got the garment to start with. You get saved by faith in Christ. You stay saved by keeping your faith in Christ. As long as you keep your faith in what he did at the cross, then the Holy Spirit has the latitude to work within our hearts and lives and make us into what we ought to be. And that's how we keep our garments. Now, this is the garment that the Lord is referring to, but all of those who are not wearing his garment that he has provided are going to be naked to the judgment of God. They're going to be ashamed in the day of judgment. The Bible says there's nothing that will be hidden For all things will be exposed at that day. All right, verse 16, Revelation 16, verse 16. He gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. Right now, this place is a fertile farmland. They grow crops there 12 months out of the year. There's a little small town right at the edge of this place called Armageddon. And it's right here in this part of the world is where one of the worst battles in history will ever take place. Right here, Armageddon. Let's take a look at verse 17. This is the seventh vial and the last judgment the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air and there came a voice out of the temple of heaven and from the throne saying it is done the same voice that cried on the cross and said it is finished is the same voice that is crying now it is done and this is the last judgment That'll be poured out at the tribulation period. This also will be at the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Christ. Verse 18. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake such as was not since men were upon the earth. So mighty an earthquake and so great. Uh, This is similar to what happened at the close of the seven seal judgments and the seven trumpet judgments. These same things occurred then. But this is going to be much worse. Look at verse 19. The great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God 
to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. The great city refers to Jerusalem being divided into three parts. The next little phrase there says the cities of the nations fail. That refers to the ten nations which will come together and form the Antichrist kingdom. And so much of this earthquake is going to affect this part of the world. It's pretty much going to be the entire old Roman Empire territory. So it's a pretty big area when you get right down to it. Great Babylon refers to rebuilt Babylon, city of Babylon. And that latter part of that phrase, they're coming into remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine, the fierceness of his wrath, means that Babylon is going to suffer the greatest destruction of all. You know, most of the time when they talk about an earthquake, they talk about the epicenter, the center where most of the violent shaking is going on. It's going to be right there under the city of Babylon. All right, verse 20. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Uh, this will probably be a tsunami. Uh, turn to Psalm 46 in your Bibles, if you will. Like I said, this will probably be a tsunami which is created by the earthquake. Um, it's going to literally wipe out the islands of the sea. And the water is going to come up so high in some places that it's even going to cover the mountains. And I believe this to be a fulfillment of Psalm 46. Let's look at verse 1. God is our refuge and strength. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Notice the terminology. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. And you can read the rest of that chapter and see how that fits in with other events that are going on in this chapter as well. All right, Revelation 16 and verse 21. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. We're talking about hailstones here weighing in excess of 115 pounds. I mean, stones or blocks of ice weighing in excess of 115 pounds. Can you imagine what kind of damage that's going to do? Imagine the roof damage on houses and businesses. 
Imagine the damage done to vehicles. Imagine one of them stones hitting you upside the head. I don't want to be around. It's going to be tough. Imagine the dent that's going to leave in your car when it hits. <laughs> I know here what, just a few nights ago when we left here, there, there was hail in a storm when we left. And, uh, I mean, man, you could hear it hitting the windshield. I mean, it was loud. And a lot of cars got damaged. I remember my first car I got when I started driving. Man, I loved that thing. 85 Camaro. I'd get out there on Sunday morning, and I'd wash that thing up, armor all the tires. Boy, she'd be looking sharp. Drive that thing to church. I was trying to impress some young ladies. But I had that thing all shined up looking good, boy. And I did that Sunday after Sunday. And then one summer, a storm came up. And there was hail in that storm. And I tell you what, it tore that car up. The thing about it was the color of the car, it was, it was a brown colored car. And as long as it was dirty, you didn't see the dents in it. And when I got out there and washed it and the sun shined on that thing, it just looked something awful. So the Lord broke me from washing my car on Sundays before going to church. <laughs> A lesson I learned the hard way. But those were little bitty dings and dents. But hailstones or blocks of ice, about 115 pounds, I think it's going to total some vehicles. And I think there's going to be a lot of fatalities when this is taking place. You don't want to be caught out in it when this occurs. Um, flip over, if you will, to Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38, uh, move down, if you will, to verse 18. Ezekiel 38, verse 18, And it shall come to pass at the same time when Gog, that's G-O-G, Gog, that is another name for the Antichrist. Okay? And it shall come to pass at that time when Gog shall come against the land of Israel, saith the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. For in my jealousy... And in the fire of my wrath have I spoken. Surely in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Israel. You see how that ties in with the seventh vile judgment. The city of Jerusalem being divided into three parts. All right, verse 20, Ezekiel 38, verse 20. So that the fishes of the sea and the fowls of the heaven... And the beasts of the field, and all creeping things that creepeth upon the earth, and all the men that are upon the face of the earth, shall shake at my presence. And the mountains, notice that, shall be thrown down, and the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall into the ground." 
And I will call for a sword against him throughout all my mountains, saith the Lord God. Every man's sword shall be against his brother. And I will plead against him with pestilence and with blood. And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him. An overflowing rain And notice the next phrase there, and great hail, fire and brimstone. So here we see that there's going to be great hail, fire and brimstone rain down at this time as well, the battle of Armageddon. Thus will I magnify myself, verse 23. Ezekiel 38. Thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. This is going to be the time when the Lord comes back, the second coming of Christ. It's all going to be taking place here at the end of the seven-year tribulation period when the Antichrist gathers the armies of the world against Israel to annihilate these ancient people. And it looks like he's going to succeed. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back. The Lord's going to win this battle. Amen. I've read the last page of the book, and we win. the program today has been a blessing to you we hope and pray that you'll share it with others this podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry go to establishedinthefaith.com click on the donate tab all donations are safe and secure through paypal we look forward to hearing from you